You're listening to audio from Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. For more information, go to cbcsavannah.com. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Prepare your minds for action. Being so reminded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Father, I pray, uh, we just have, we've exalted you through singing. We're gonna exalt you through the word, talking about what your son has done. Um, I pray that just, again, like every week, that your church would be uh, fed, that your church would be encouraged that we would find uh, the bread of life just satisfying and that we would be full um, and that we would just uh, be more passionate and, and in our love and our uh, commitment to you and what you've done. I pray, Father, that you would just be working in our hearts, that you'd be changing us to look more like your son. Um, I pray that your spirit would do that and I pray that he would do it through the word which he inspired. And I pray and I ask and I beg that you would please help me to speak to your people who you have bought, Lord, that you have redeemed, that you have rescued. They're not my sheep, they are your sheep. And so help me to feed them well. Uh, Just pray your spirit would fill me, take away or add to anything that I was planning to say or I wasn't planning to say, Lord, this is your time for us to hear from you. And I pray that we would, uh, for Christ's name's sake, amen. Thanks, you guys can have a seat. And turn once again for the 37th time to Luke chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you, or you could follow along on our screen behind us. Um, But, and if you don't own a Bible, please take the one in front of you. We'd love for you to have that one. We got extras, but that's why they're there. So please take that as a gift from us. Um, Nowadays, if you want a job, you go to these, you know, you go to places like LinkedIn or or Monster.com, or ZipRecruiter, or, you know, whatever, right? Those are all the kind of new things. It used to be you'd go to the, to the one ads, right? And, and I was looking for a specific ad this week. We're going to get to it in a minute. But I came up with some funny ones on my, in my Googling. Uh, I just thought, these are kind of interesting. I don't know if they were mistakes or not. So I'm going to put a couple of them up on the screen here. All right, so here's one for all you doctors. Surgeon wanted for a new health clinic opening in the area. No experience needed. <laughs> Must have your own tools. So... Screwdrivers, you know, anything like that. That's a good one. So anybody's looking for a, a job, I can get you the number. A cab driver's wanted. Nights and weekends must have good driving and a criminal record. That is probably right. 
All right? Okay, so um, maybe accurate. Who knows? Um, Taught of working for $9.75 an hour. We offer profit sharing, flexible hours, starting pay $5 to $7 an hour. <laughs> so, so you have to have like a first grade education to uh, not understand that one. Um, right? Um, this one really had nothing to do with job, but I thought it was funny. Soccer ball signed by either Pele, the former Brazilian soccer player, widely renowned for most experts to be the finest player in the world, or by some guy named Peter. <laughs> either one, $75, good deal, right? The one I was looking for was this one, right? And some of you have seen this before, history. Uh, this is the Pony Express, the one ad for the Pony Express. They wanted young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18. Must be expert riders and willing to risk death daily. Orphans preferred. <laughs> 25 bucks a week, right? And the funny thing is about this ad is they were over, they were filled up. People wanted to do this job. They were never looking for people. And, I, and I was just kind of, it was kind of funny I was looking for that ad because the idea of wanted, all right, job description, um, I was thinking about it as I read this text that we're going to be in today, is if Jesus was putting out a one ad for followers, wanted followers, what would it say? And, and, and the funny thing is, it would, in some ways, read a little bit like this one, right? Risk, risk death daily. Uh, Jesus, in the next portion of chapter 9, is going to highlight, he's going to have some people that are wanting to follow him, he's going to be kind of throwing it out there, follow me, and, and he's got this one ad, and he's going to list several things of what he's looking for. And so we're just gonna, we're gonna work through it uh, today just to kind of see what is it that Jesus is, is saying? What is he calling for? Um, and uh, we got a lot of text. So let me just be, let me be right, right up front with you and let, let you know what's gonna happen. We're gonna fly because my goal today, I told Ethan on Wednesday, I said, I think we need a, an, an extended time of worship as a church this Sunday, right? I just, we, we just need it. We're gonna add a couple songs to the second set. If you're not a singing person, just lock the doors, greeters, so they can't leave at the end. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't sing. I just do the sermon piece. So we're gonna, we got people, security outside. They'll take care of you when you leave. Um, but we're, we're just going to add a couple, a couple songs to reflect. Some of you guys are going through great times celebrating, graduating high school, graduating Armstrong this past week. Some of y'all, congratulations. I mean, SCAD's, you know, got a month left. Some of you, great times. Some of you, struggles. So it can be a time of just kind of reflection and, and getting with God that way or just celebrating. We wanted to do that for you. And Ethan, we got some great songs that we've picked, some CBC favorites. Just so you know, by the way, Ethan Montesinos, best worship leader in town, bar none. I'm just telling you, if I was starting a church anywhere in the country, I could have any worship leader, I mean, all of them, I would take Ethan, and I'm not even lying. Maybe Michael W. Smith, right? No. <laughs> No, I, I, would call, I would want Ethan Montesinos by my side. He's an amazing young man. So just so you know how great I f- feel about him. Um, so let's jump in. Let's just jump into our text. Last week we saw the disciples at their worst. Here's the beautiful, beautiful thing about the church is that the, the disciples at their worst, you would think it would disqualify them for being a follower. That's exactly what Jesus is looking for is he's mess of a guy. Right? How great is that for us? I mean, you know that one, that funny one, the cab driver, right? Criminal record, you know, needed, right? Well, that's almost sometimes the way it is. People that have a messed up past. That's the beautiful thing about the church is that that does not disqualify you from God calling you to follow him, right? So let's jump in. I got five or six things, depending on how long I get to. I want to be quick, but I want to be kind of big picture, but very direct with some of these things. So we're going to start in verse 57 of chapter 9. 
I can't even see my Bible anymore. My eyes are so bad, so I'm going to the screen. And they were going along the road. Someone said, I will follow you wherever you go. Remember, big crowds following Jesus, all right? Always more than just the disciples there. And some guy just randomly shouts out, I'll follow you, Jesus. In my mind, I picture this young 21-year-old dude, just kind of wiry, fired up for Jesus, starts reading some Calvin, starts reading some Piper, getting in fights with everybody, right? You need another guy, right? And, And he's just like this bold statement, whatever it costs, Jesus, I'm in. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And you would think Jesus would be like, great. Come on, join us. You can bunk up with Peter. He snores and he's a little loud sometimes, but he's a good dude. But that's not what Jesus says. Verse 58. He says, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What's he saying? He's telling him, he said, are you sure? Are you sure you you mean that? Because here's the deal. Sometimes... I don't know if I'm going to be eating Frosted Flakes in the morning or not. I don't have a debit card, and I'm a homeless dude. And by the way, I'm on the way to Jerusalem to be killed. So if you follow me, all of that and more may happen to you. And so what he's, what he's calling this guy to do, first thing, if, if we had wanted posts, wanted, want ads, followers, first thing is this, those who count the cost. Just, and we're going to see this later. Jesus says, count the cost. Following Christ, y'all, is the greatest decision and the best decision you can ever make. It's the most important decision you will make in your entire life. It is by far the best. But I can tell you this also. It is also not the easiest. It's just not. Right? And, and I know we live in America, the Judeo-Christian you know, ethic kind of founded our laws and all these things, but the reality is this, and if you've traveled at all, you know this, if you become a follower of Jesus and, and 90% of the rest of the world, your life instantaneously becomes harder. Instantaneously. Right? Even in danger in some places of being killed. And so, and even though that's not necessarily right now in America, our context, following Christ is sometimes difficult. Because he is going to call you to, to have integrity at work and integrity at school and where everybody else is cheating to get ahead, y'all. And I know at Christian schools and public schools alike, I got, I got kids and all, kids are cheating and, and they're blowing the curve and, and you have a choice. Am I, gonna, am I gonna study hard and settle for a B or am I gonna compromise and get an A? Jesus is gonna call you to study hard and, and, and get the B rather than keep up. And you're in your, in your business, and, and everyone else is cheating to get ahead and you're getting behind and you're not getting the contracts because you're not doing all these things and Jesus is going to call you to integrity and maybe lose that, that deal because of integrity. That's hard, right? He's, he's going to call you to be faithful to your family which means that you're, you're not going to, the almighty dollar is not going to rule the day and, and your achievements and your name on the plaque is not going to be the most important thing and that might mean you live in a little bit smaller house and that you have a little bit older cars at some point. But you have a family. That's your commitment. Right? He's going to call us to lead our children differently. I mean, I'm seeing this now. Some of you have kids. You hear this. Well, so-and-so gets to do X. Right? And, and my unsanctified self, I'm like, then let so-and-so pay for you. But when I'm being moderately godly, I'll say, I, I know. But this is, this, is, this is the direction. This is what we're doing because we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to do something different. That's hard. That's hard for a 16-year-old. Parents, you've got to understand. And it's hard for your 15-year-old, okay? 
And we got to empathize a little bit knowing that they're out there and this is all they're hearing and they're the only one. That is a tough place. It's tough for you. It's tough for them. It's hard to be, let's be honest, to be pure sexually in this culture. It is hard, it is difficult, and it is against the grain. Dating differently, right? Teenagers dating differently, 20-year-olds, 27-year-olds, whatever, 40-year-olds, dating differently than the world. When that's, this, is the way, this is the way it's supposed to be, they say. Dressing in a way that's promiscuous or not. I mean, all these things, it's, it's emotionally difficult, it is physically difficult. It's what Jesus is calling. Being generous. I mean, being generous is sometimes difficult, right? Now, it's not hard to spend $300 on a cell phone for our family, right? Because if you have more than two kids on cell phones, you know that it's, it's big, right? But it's hard when they're like, $50 to go to a missions camp. What are you kidding me? But we need, our, we need Verizon, right? It's, it's just an interesting way we think. But, but Jesus is gonna call you to be generous with your stuff and have a, a loose grip on it. And so when this person asks, can you help me with this? And you're like, no, I, just, I know you're gonna abuse it. I know you're just gonna go buy something that, right? But we'll, we'll buy all this over here. But he's gonna say, hey, open hand with this stuff. That's difficult. When people make fun of you, when people revile you, when they slander you, when they gossip you, and they will. Jesus is gonna say, when you are reviled, do not revile in return. When suffering, utter no threats. You just keep entrusting yourself to him. How hard is that? When you are gossiped about, when you are slandered about, when you are lied about, and Jesus is saying, no, I want you to forgive them, and I actually want you to bless them. I want you to pray for their success. I want you to to encourage them. Is that easy? See, that's what he's calling to. That's just one, having hard conversations with friends. I hate hard conversations especially with friends. But if I really truly love this, this, this brother, this sister, this is, it's part of who God's called me to do, it, of making decisions as a leader, knowing that 50% of the people are gonna hate you and 50% are gonna love you. It's the way it is, right? I was talking to my mentor this week and I, I said to him, I, I bluntly said, I said, why didn't you tell me 15 years ago when I was starting to think about this that this job was so hard? He just laughed at me. I'm thinking that's great encouragement. I said, maybe I'll go back to being a PE teacher. He said, yeah, there's always that. I said, no, it's not even that. I don't even have my certification anymore. I'm wearing out. So I'm, I mean, but it's, y'all, sometimes following Christ is hard. It's always the greatest decision you'll ever make. It's sometimes hard. And Jesus, right up front, is saying, count the cost, right? Count the cost. Now, I am not saying, so just hear me here, because there is a section within Christendom and especially in America, that purposely tries to go out and make things harder for themselves, thinking that they are making themselves more holy. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about trying to make life hard so that you feel like, well, I'm suffering for Jesus. If you follow Christ and you are faithful to him, you don't need to go looking for trouble. Okay, it's gonna happen. There's gonna be struggles. So, so don't, and this is, this is my propensity sometimes too. It's always be the hardest thing, oh, God would never want me to be happy. He would never give good things, right? He would never actually bless me. Is that, and, and there's this weird mentality that's kind of crept into the American church, especially, and this is, I, I see it a lot among millennials, so I'm talking to you guys, and, and I'm trying to encourage you guys. It's not always bad if God blesses you with something, all right? But you don't have to go looking to be miserable. It doesn't make you more holy. This is not, you know, 
we have to be monks and go, you know, beat ourselves in the, in the closet to make ourselves more acceptable to God. In Christ, you already are acceptable to God because of what he has done, all right? But I am saying sometimes life is hard when you follow Jesus, and so is he. Always the best decision, not always the easiest. Jesus says, count the cost. Next guy, 59. To another, he said, follow me. So he goes up to the guy and says, follow me, just like he does to Peter, just like he does to, t- to Matthew. And this guy says, Lord, let me first bury my father. You see, that seems reasonable. Poor guy, dad, he just died, right? But, and Jesus seems super unreasonable. Jesus says, leave, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go proclaim the kingdom of God. And you're thinking, man, Jesus, that's harsh. Guy's dad, you're just, you know, you know, sympathy? Here's what you have to understand. This guy's dad has not died yet. How do you know? Well, number one, if your dad died that morning, would you be at a sermon? Probably not. In fact, the Jewish culture, they actually buried immediately. They buried the same day they died. This is why Jesus is taken off the cross and he's put in the grave. He's put in the tomb, right? So they didn't wait like four days and then have the, they were buried the same day. If, if he had died that day, then, and he would not be there, right? What this guy is saying is, hey, hey, I got, I got some obligations I got to take care of. My dad's still here. But when he dies, I get the inheritance and I, everything will be secure. And then I'll come and follow you, Jesus. It's an excuse to delay is what it is. Whether it's one year, 10 years, who knows? But it's just, I'll do that later. And here's the second thing. Second thing Jesus is looking for. Wanted, those who won't delay. Those who follow now. And this, I think this is really apropos for you high school, middle school, college students who are thinking, this is kind of my parents' thing. I'll do this. I'll do this when I'm done. I'm going to go off to Georgia, North Georgia, Kennesaw, out of state, whatever. Some of you, Clemson, going to Clemson, I know. Right? Josh, where you at? I'm looking for you. And, you're th- and some of you are like, hey, I'll do that later. When I, you know, when I, get, when I get a job, when I meet Ms. Mrs. Wright, when I do, I'll do that whole thing later. And, and I would say, no, Jesus would say, do it now. Don't, don't wait. If you have like, well, I'll after, after. Some of you are like, well, you know, when, when, when our kids are gone, we'll start, we'll start getting serious about Jesus. Or maybe it's when we have kids, then we have to set a great example. Or maybe you're kind of in, in this searching mode, you're in the seeking mode, and you're thinking, well, once I have all my questions answered and everything, I'll follow Jesus. Or maybe once I get myself cleaned up and I get rid of that sin because I, I need to kind of get myself ready. Right? All, all those things. Maybe when I meet the girl and then I'll start. Let me tell you, if she's the girl, she won't have anything to do with you unless you're the guy, and you're not the guy right now, all right? But the idea is, don't delay. Jesus says, this is more important than even family obligations than going and getting your inheritance. That's how important. You go proclaim the kingdom. That's the idea. It's immediate. No delay. There is no, you just wait. A couple years, I'm really going to get serious about the Lord, and then it's going to be awesome. Man, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start, I might even go into the ministry. I might even go into seminary. You, you, you're going to be amazed how great it is. And Jesus says, do it now. It's important. Do it now. Wanted those who count the cost. Wanted those who don't delay. Next thing, verse 61. Very similar. He says, I'll follow you, Lord. Let me go first say farewell to my, my folks. Let me go tell everyone goodbye at home. Is that so bad to go say goodbye? No. In fact, there's actually biblical precedence. There's a prophet named Elijah. We've been seeing him a little bit lately. We just saw him a couple weeks ago. When he's at the end of his ministry, he goes up and he's recruiting his replacement, a guy named Elisha. Right? Don't get him confused. The J comes before the S. That's how you remember it alphabetically. 
Elijah, and, and he comes up on Elisha, and Elisha is, is a farmer, and he's a rich farmer. He's got lots of land. We know because his family, he's riding 12 yoke of oxen. That's like having 12 big old John Deers. I mean, this guy's loaded. And he comes up to Elisha and says, hey, follow me. And Elisha says, can I go say goodbye to my mom and dad first? He says, go ahead. And he goes home, says goodbye, and he takes all the oxen and he, and he kills them. And he takes all the wood from the, from the yokes and he, and he has a big old barbecue, throws the oxen on it, throws a big old party for everyone. It's, that's called being all in, right? It's called, I can't go back to farming because I just killed my John Deere. <laughs> Shot the tractor, Right? And, and, and this is what Jesus says to this guy. Apparently, he knows something about this guy. He knows his heart. If this guy goes home, mama's going to talk him out of it. His wife's going to be like, are you kidding me? We got one, one you know, kid on the way, and you already got a three-year-old, and this is no time to be reckless. And Jesus says to him, verse 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. When you're plowing, you don't look back, right? You keep going straight ahead. He said, it's not that it's bad to go say goodbye, but you can, there cannot be two options. And the point is this, third thing he's looking for, one of those who, who are looking forward. You can't have this, well, if it doesn't work out following Jesus, then I'll try, I'll go back to what I was doing before. Thus, killing the John Deere, right? I, 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 it, the past can be greatly encouraging, and it's meant to be at some points where we look back and see God's faithfulness, but there's also a distracting piece to our past where we over-romanticize the past, I, you know, and this was just highlighted to me when I went to my reunion a couple months ago, all these Citadel boys, and we're all laughing and talking about all these funny stories at the Citadel as if it was a great time. And I'm thinking, y'all, do you remember how, how lousy it was when we were there? This was not fun. We hated it. And now we're talking about it like it's the greatest thing ever. That's what we have. That's what we do. We, oh, look, remember the past? This is Israel walking through the wilderness, headed to the promised land. Oh, it was so good being slaves because they had a great salad bar. We over-romanticize the past. And so Jesus is saying, you've got to look forward, right? You are not fit for the kingdom if you're looking back. Those of you with kids, this has happened to you, I guarantee it. You tell the kids, they're nasty, they've been playing outside. Go get a shower. Go get a bath, whatever. They run up and like 17 seconds later, they're back. Their hair's a little wet on the side, Right? <laughs> And they are wearing the same clothes. Okay, is this, is this, am I the only one, right? The nasty, wait, did you get a shower? Yes, sir. Well, why, aren't those the clothes you were wearing outside? Yes, sir. That doesn't, what's the whole point of the shower then? That's Jesus' idea. You, 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 you can't have it both ways. You can't be clean and now go back to the dirty. You stand at the altar when you're getting married, and these, we use words like for richer, for poorer, for in sickness and health, for better, for worse, till death do us part. There's no like, well, when, you know, if you, if you get over this amount of weight, I'm out. And, you know, make sure, honey, if you're not making 100000 by this, I'm out. It's in or out. You can't be like, well, I kind of want my freedom and my independence, and I don't want to have a responsibility. Is that okay, honey? Or you just can't be single and married. Right? You can't have a foot in both worlds. And Jesus is saying, you've got to be in or out. You cannot be looking back. We are all in right now. No dabbling in both worlds. No weekend warrior Christians. Saturday and Sunday, I'm a Christian. Monday through Friday, I'm me. And that's his point. Right? You can't leave the back door open. 
And, and, and it's physically impossible to plow when you're looking back because what's going to happen? You're going to end up pulling the yoke and they're going to be all over the place. You can't do it. You cannot go forward by looking back. Try it going, don't try it going home. You're like, Let's see if this is a timeless principle, Bill. So try to drive home looking over your shoulder. Okay? And then after the airbag deploys and you see Jesus face to face because you will. And he shakes his head at you thinking, what were you doing? you'll realize that it is a timeless principle. I cannot go forward if I keep looking back, right? He says, all in, right now. You are living the rest of your life wherever I put you, wherever I call you, for my name's sake. That's what he's looking for. Wanted, those who count the cost, those who don't delay, those who do not look back, and now we're really gonna fly. And here, I want everyone to just notice what's about to happen. We are about to exit chapter nine. So everyone say hallelujah, right? Okay, yes, okay, good. Thank you very much. It's been like 38 weeks. All right, verse, okay, and I'm just gonna hit high points here in chapter 10. You can read through it this week. I encourage you to, because it's very similar to what's happened before. But chapter 10, verses one and two, it says, after the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead. We've seen him send people out before. He sent the disciples. Now he's sending 72. And the description is very similar to what's happened before. He's gonna tell them how to, when they go into cities, what to do. He's gonna tell them how to provide for themselves, not not to take this, what to take this. But he does make an interesting statement to the disciples and to these 72. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray for the, earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. There is plenty of work to do. What's the problem? There's just not enough folks to do it. There's just not enough folks, right? And, and here's, the, here's the fourth thing you could put down on your wanted ad, right? Is wanted is those who live on mission. Right? Jesus is looking for folks that live their lives on mission. And I've said before, living on mission does not mean you go to Mongolia. It might be. But living on mission is just simply what John 4, Jesus tells the disciples in John 4. He says, lift your eyes up, look around. The field is white for harvest. Where is he at? He is in Israel. He's right where they live. And what I would encourage you to do is if you live in Pooler, Lift your eyes up, because the harvest is there. If you go to SCAD, that you would just lift your eyes up. If you live in Georgetown, eyes up. Memorial, Candler, Hunter Army Airfield, Fort Stewart, Skidaway Island, Richmond Hill, South Gardens neighborhood, that we would just see that the mission is right here. And Jesus is gonna basically tell them to do three things. In essence, three things that they're supposed to do when they go. And verses really one through 16. He's gonna tell them to be with people, to meet the needs of people, and to point people to him. That's it. Be with people, meet the needs of people, point people to him. Has the mission changed at all in 2,000 years? Be with people, meet the needs of people, point people to him. Right? That's exactly what he says. Hasn't changed. That we are an extension of God. That we, I read, read one, one just kind of like commentary this week, that all we are doing is whatever Jesus would have done. So you can just imagine if you are a doctor at Memorial or a teacher at Hess, Hess that way, that you are going to teach like Jesus was the teacher. If you're a homemaker living in Windsor Forest, that you are gonna be a homemaker the way Jesus would be. That, that is what you are. 
that you are a, a blessing by knowing people, by serving people, by loving people, and ultimately, if he gives you the opportunity to point people to him. That is it. That is the mission, right? And I, and, and I know that some of you are like, well, isn't that why we pay you, Bill? You got a staff of like 18, 20 people down there. It's not y'all's job. We just pay you. We show up and sing the songs. You do it. And I would say then you are grossly misunderstanding the mission, right? Grossly. Because here's, here's another thing my mentor told me, and I believe it's true now more than I ever did, is that you have more credibility in this city than I ever will. I'm, I'm supposed to be the God guy. I'm the pastor, right? Even if I don't look like it normally with my bandana on, I'm the pastor, right? So they expect the God talk from me. They expect me to show up at the hospital and pray. They expect me to quote Bible verses. But when you, Mr. Engineer guy, and you, teacher person, salesperson, SCAD student person, artist person, athlete person, whatever it is person, when you are following Christ and you are loving God, that gives way more credibility than the guy in the collar. Way more credibility. And that's the way it's supposed to be. That's that's what God has sent you. And so I would just ask you, where is your mission? Where is your field? Who who are you looking out upon? Who are you praying for? Who are you loving on? Who are you purposely inviting over to your house to have burgers or just serving in your neighborhood or whatever? Getting to know people instead of just blowing by them in your neighborhood like, hi, and you you go. Try to get them to stop. Some of our neighbors don't stop. They just wave and go because they're scared of us because we have too many kids. But that's another story. But that, you're on mission. And you can't say, well, I just don't really want to do that. You just can't say that. That's like for a person saying, I love Christmas. I just hate giving out presents. It's just, we feel that there's something wrong with that, right? I just like to get, but I don't really like to give. It's, it's something wrong with something. I love God and I follow God, but I just really don't care about people. Right? And so he says, wanted those who live on mission. Jesus is inviting you and calling you to a great adventure. And it is an adventure. And it's an up and down adventure. And it's hard sometimes. If you're kind of bored, you're probably missing the mission. Because it's, you just lift your eyes. People everywhere. People need, need to lo- be, feel the love of God. They need to hear the message of God. They need to be served. And that's what we are called to do. So wanted, those who count the cost, those who don't delay, those who look ahead, those on mission, I can do the rest in five minutes, I guarantee it. Verse 20, if we, as we jump down, Jesus kind of says some, some important things about, hey, if Sodom and Gomorrah heard the gospel like you guys, they would repent it, right? Because so much has been done right in front of them, all the miracles, Jesus himself standing there. But then he tells the disciples, he sends them out, and they come back, and they're all pumped, they're like, you should have seen it, man. I was casting out demons, and I was like, woo! I was like Benny Hinn, but like spiritual. And I mean, it was amazing. Right? And, and you come back and sharing all these stories, and Jesus is like, that's awesome. But here's what I want you to know don't rejoice, verse 20, in all the things you're able to do. Your ministry, your community groups growing, your Bible study, all these successful things you have. Don't rejoice there, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's, it's an astounding statement. Right, and a couple of us, me, me and, and David and Kane, were sitting on the front steps of the old building this week, and just having you know a great conversation. And at the end, we're just lying there. I mean, you should have seen us. We're all lying on the concrete. People are driving by thinking we're crazy, uh, but we're just kind of lying there. And and I think it was either me or David made the. Con- I think it was me. I said, 
kind of quoting the, the transfiguration passage where I was like, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tents. And, you know, we're just kind of joking. And because it was just a sweet time of fellowship and a sweet time of hanging out. But I thought, this is just a small little smidgen of a, you know, flawed taste of where we are going. Of, of the kingdom, of what Jesus is saying. It's great to be here, but here's the reality. Your future is heaven. It's heaven. And y'all, that is real. If it's not real, then Jesus is not telling the truth. Heaven is our future. It will be, a, it is a place of pure joy and ecstasy and, and fulfillment and contentment like we have never seen before. It's what you were created to do, to, be, to know God and to be with him forever and enjoy him forever. And Jesus is saying, that's where I want you to rejoice. If that is true, if our future is heaven and it's eternal, maybe we have 90 years here, but if that is true, then shouldn't Christians be the most joyful people ever? I mean, yes is the answer. That was, that was in, I know it was rhetorical, but the answer is yes. And I think that's, that's the next point on the one of that, is that what does Jesus want? He wants some joyful people. Because as bad and hard as it gets, we know how, we know how the game ends. We know where we're going. We know what it looks like. And that's, hey, how did Jesus go to the cross? How did he endure the shame for the joy set before him and then he, he would one day sit back down at the right hand of the Father. That's where his hope was in the middle of the worst circumstance of his life, the cross, what's coming after. And, and this, I'm telling you, sometimes this is all you got. It's, sometimes you're like, all I have is this is as, this is as bad as it's ever gonna get, so I know that. But, but that's the hope that Jesus gives us. Some joyful people. Some, some people that know what the end game is, that they're, that they're looking for that. From Jesus' own lips, rejoice in this. Let this bring you joy, right? That's why we sing here. That's why I always encourage you to sing. That's why I'm, I'm telling you, hey, Jesus is, is, is alive. He's joyful. Come on, y'all. I know some of y'all's backgrounds don't allow you to be happy in church. We're trying to break that, right? And so, but he's looking for some joyful people because who wants to, he's not, he, who wants to follow somebody who's not joyful? wants that he's not looking for your obligation well I guess I better do it because he died for me and all is that the have you ever see that attitude in the scripture yeah I gotta do it just gotta buck up and serve the Lord yes it's never the response to someone to the gospel not one who gets it right and so wanted those who count the cost who don't delay who look ahead who are on mission and who have joy and the last thing is this. He wants those with childlike faith. Simple faith. In the, in the, the faith of a child, isn't that just a beautiful thing? I mean, when you have your long, young ones and the dad's throwing the kid up in the air, he's like 18 months old, and woo, he's going 10 feet in the air, and the mom's scared to death. And what's the 18-month-old doing? Just joyful and happy. He's flipping upside down. The dad caught him by the leg. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and the kid, the kid is not worried a bit that dad would drop him. Why? Because because he can't fathom that. It's just a simple childlike faith. And here's what Jesus says. He says, in the same hour he's rejoicing, he says, I thank you, Father, 
Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. The religious leaders, the smart people, the who's who in Israel, they miss it. Who gets it? The little children. Who's the little children? The disciples. He's calling them little children. It's not an insult. He's saying you believe simple, like, a, like faith like a child. And that is all God is, is asking us to do. Is this simple. I've said it. Are you going to just trust me? I, do, are you going to trust me that this is the best? Are you going to trust me that though this is hard, that, that the joy comes in the morning? Are you going to trust me that I have your best in mind? Are you going to trust me that that is your future? Are you going to trust me that this is better for your marriage than that? That this is better for your career than that? It's just a simple faith. That's all he's asking for. You don't have to understand all the deepest, darkest mysteries of the world. I don't. And I think that's actually better. Just simple faith. And faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Right? Jesus is in, he's, he's advertising. He, he's asking us to join the adventure. He's looking for those who count the cost, who will not delay, who do not look back, who live on mission, who have joy, and who just simply trust him in the adventure, even if you don't know where it leads. Would you answer that ad? So we're going to worship and just take a little extra time to do so. And look, I don't know where you're at. Maybe one of these resonates with you and you have been delaying and you've been playing spiritual games for years. Or maybe you're on your own mission, but you're not on Jesus' mission. You're on the mission to make your name great and not his. Maybe you have doubts of God's goodness. Some of you, that's legitimate because life stinks. And so you're doubting whether or not God really is sovereign over this. Let me just tell you that God is sovereign over all brokenness. And he uses it for his glory and he uses it to shape us. I've seen, I am, I am probably shaped more in my brokenness than in my success, I can tell you. Right? But this is just a time for you guys to reflect, to just worship. Worship Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal where you're at. Ethan, you guys can roll out wherever you guys are. There you are. Run on up here. And, uh, and, I, and I'll ask you guys to, to stay seated for just a little bit and spend some time in prayer in your chairs. Um, when you're ready to stand, you can stand. And we're just going to sing a couple songs together and, and worship Christ and focus on him um, this morning. So let me pray, and then we will respond through singing. Father, I pray that your church would understand the great and high and, and adventurous calling that you have, you have put us on. Um, it is difficult, but you promise your presence, you promise that we will be able to accomplish all things set before us by your strength. You promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. You promise us a hope and a future in heaven with you forever. Um, and so I just pray that wherever you're leading individuals in this church, whatever direction it may be, um, that, that we would respond in simple faith. That, that if some of us are delaying, that we would stop. That we would pl stop playing games. Uh, if some of us are avoiding the mission because we're scared or we don't feel like we have anything. I, I just pray that all we would just do is go out and serve people and love people and trust that you're going you're gonna to bring in the harvest. It's your harvest. We're just your workers. Um, and someone maybe that doesn't even know you this morning, Lord, that they would see that you love them and you care for them and that you want to spend eternity with them. That's why you sent your son to die for them on a cross and rose again. And so just whatever we're at, Lord, just be worshiped in our church. Be glorified here in Jesus' name.